Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right along with Laura Reynolds as she talks to the auto designers, creators, and makers about the automobiles we love as we go Driving in Heels. It's Driving in Heels. I'm Laura Reynolds, your host. And on this week's podcast, I talked to Toyota Motor Corporation about the 2021 Lexus IS. Oh, it's looking good. Then we'll hear from Honda Motor Company about the drastic style changes in the Civic prototype and why they did them. And we'll wrap it all up with a peek into AAA's annual report, Your Driving Costs. And we'll talk about how to keep from being upside down with your vehicle's value. So let's get started with Lexus product manager Richard Hollingsworth and the new 2021 Lexus IS, the first Lexus to debut the Lexus driving signature. So you're here today to talk to us about the Lexus IS. And I I think this is a great looking car, but you know what just first caught my attention was going to be the back of the car with mm-hmm. with the tail lamp. Yes. I exactly. love how you did that. It is. That's like I said, that for 2021, it is all new, the IS. And like you said, one of the features, not just inside and out, but the exterior styling, definitely we put a big emphasis on. And you're right with the connected LED tail lamps and just comes across just from that, especially three quarter view of the vehicle, it just makes it just so pronounced. And you just know it's just that elegant, but there's that sporty element as well to it. So it's a double, uh, double win for us. We look at it that way. So. Yeah, I totally agree about that because it's not in your face. Elegant is the perfect word for it because it just kind of narrows down yes. uh, towards the middle. It just looks very sleek. It does. And then with, like you said, the other styling is more of the pronounced, if we'll call them the rear shoulders, the rear fenders, they just much more to accommodate the new 19 inch wheels that are available on our F-Sport models. But even just the side profile of the vehicle, you can see certain character lines. It just brings that true expression of the sedan. And of course, once you get to the front, you have our Lexus spindle grill, which has been very enhanced and still sporty, but just blends that whole element of the whole vehicle there. So you just get that the great body styling, the great, and it just exudes a uh, performance. You just look at it when it's just parked and it looks like well that's a very fast car for sure it is it's it's just so um sleek in the design when you look from front to back exactly it's almost like like sculpted exactly exactly yeah for it's from the beginning with the led standard tail lamp Mm -hmm. excuse me headlamps of course the daytime running lights and you just mentioned the led tail lamps but as you go down the character lines of the vehicle from the rocker panels up to the rear bumper it just all flows it just feels like it just wants to like not just cut through the air but just the way it was uh designed and we'll get into that shortly just how designed at the track for all the aerodynamic efficiencies but still gives that sporty element and efficient uh greatness to it if you will so 
So it has been great. And like you put the, I put the if you ever want available premium LED lamps that we have available headlamps, I'll just accentuate it even more when it's a nighttime driving for sure. It does look cool from the front. All right, you caught my attention when you said you checked out the aerodynamics on the track. Tell us about that. I was saying, so this vehicle is the first one, like you said, with our company that we, of course, always test our vehicles, of course, but we bring before we bring them to market. But this one was the first vehicle designed at the test track, actually specifically designed by TMC in Japan called uh, Shimuyama. Make sure I pronounce it properly here. And it's just the first time that all the engineers is starting up from Akio Toyota himself to say, we need to develop vehicles that are going to be more human nature centered and more connected to the road. It's one thing to get in the vehicle, of course, and enjoy driving it, but to actually feel it. And like I said, with the new platform, the new driving dynamics, like I said, and everything they think about not just driving it, um, how it goes in the corners, the acceleration, but as you mentioned, just to make sure we get the most uh, advanced maximizing aerodynamics on the vehicle, not just for fuel efficiency, but just for performance when it goes into that corner. So a, so a guest who's driving or an owner just feels that connection to the road. And this is what this is the first vehicle with that uh, Lexus driving signature connection to the vehicle and to the road. So it's great. <laughs> I, I like how you said it's human centric because, um, you know, cars used to be boxes, mm -hmm. you know, and they'd have all, all these sharp corners and everything like this. This does look more natural or like coming from nature. It does. Like I said, like I said, it's almost like it's a, we talked about it earlier, but there is a way that it was just sculpted. Like I said, it's one thing that like it's a sculpted, it's a great looking vehicle, it's very fast, but then behind the scenes, you have the engines and the uh, transmissions to back it up. And in this case, we do. Like I said, it's just one of those all elements of that when a customer holds onto that steering wheel, feels the bolsters in those seats, feels all the different drive mode selects that they can choose with these different engines. They just feel connected to the road. And that's the whole idea behind that dynamic expression that we want to make sure that it accentuates not just on brochures or on our website, but in their commercials. And then when the dealerships are doing those first test drives, those are exactly what we're looking for. Oh, that's awesome. Go ahead and give us a full walk around. Sure. Like I said, like I said, we've talked about the outside of the vehicle, but like I said, it's definitely sculpted inside and out for 2021. Like I said, the IS has been in our family for 20 years as a brand. So there's been a couple of different generations. We're very excited, of course, about this one, because like I said, we offer the IS 300, of course, which starts with a, in the rear wheel drive configuration, the 2.0 uh, turbo engine, giving you about 241 horses and with its eight speed transmission. And then we also, for those who decide I need an all-wheel drive application. We do offer that IS300 as well with a 3.5 liter, liter V6. And it comes with a six-speed transmission. And of course, those I seem like, I, I do not doubt you're one of these, Laura, with our other, about 50% of our other builds are going to be our IS350 models, which have the <laughs> higher output 3.5 liter V6, about 311 horses from both rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive applications for sure. And like I said, you're starting with those. Then we start getting into, all right, what do I get with these vehicles? And with the 300s, you get standard 18-inch wheels, the uh, bi-LED headlamps we talked about. You get like rain-sensing wipers, of course, power seats, all the good fun features on the vehicle. Of course, now when you move up to the 350, which is our uh, more performance-oriented, they all come in the F-Sport trim, which has been very popular over the years in the Lexus brand, of course. And with that, like I said, you get all exclusive, not just the exterior features with the unique styling and the badges and specific 19-inch uh, wheels, but the seats are more bolstered. It has more driving dynamics, uh, has a unique rear spoiler. And then what I love is my favorite feature for the 2021 IS is on these F-Sport models. They 
have the dynamic handling package. It's an available package. Mm -hmm. So with that, you still have 19 inch wheels, but there are matte black BBS wheels that are exclusive for light uh, weight reduction. They have the spoiler on the back, which is more carbon fiber than the yeah. regular spoiler. You get a special card key with the vehicle and it comes standard, of course, with the uh, Torsen limited slip. And of course, our wonderful uh, adaptive variable suspension there. So that's the biggest story that you see. And like I said, it'll be very recognizable because of the blackout pieces and the trim on the vehicle. So that's my favorite of the vehicles. But we understand that all of our Lexus guests and consumers have different tastes. So we offer, of course, a comfort package with like our mood roofs available. We have an Intuita parking assist. We have pano view monitor. Of course, we have navigations available with 10.3 inch screen. For those who don't need the nav, we also have our standard multimedia, which comes with a 8.0, 8 inch screen, excuse me. Thankfully, like I said, we hear a lot of feedback that they're both touchscreen. So we have a remote touchpad, which is good for certain uses, but consumers have provided us feedback that they like the touchscreen as well. So we added that and it's about five and a half inches closer than before. So it's easier to reach, keep your eyes on the road, of course, exactly. So mm -hmm. that's the great features of the vehicle itself. And of course, for those sound system audiophile people out there, we've upgraded our Mark Levinson this year. So this time it's 17 speakers and I'm glad you're sitting down, 1800 watts of power that I have heard it firsthand and it is a quite a wonderful system in such a compact uh, interior like I said such a sports sedan interior it just all whatever sounds you like from whatever genre of music you enjoy this sound system will definitely uh, open your eyes and more importantly open those ears so for sure <laughs> <laughs> with that many speakers you're going to be feeling the music <laughs> exactly and if it gets too cold or high yeah, you have your heated steering wheel available you have your heated ventilated seats of course all those stuff but for a consumer as well like is on the outside for a second there we offer 10 exterior colors so across the whole lexus palette and luxury palette. It can be our whites and our silvers. We have infrared. We have our famous ultrasonic blue, uh, Mica 2.0. And then once you get inside, it's no longer just like two or three colors. We offer five interior colors from our nice. standard black and all the way to our F-Sport circuit red. And then we have a couple of, with depending on trim level, you'll get certain ornamentation, of course, with it. But overall, it's like definitely all the different color combinations to suit, suit whatever our guests and dealers tastes are for, for the market. So it's a fun vehicle for sure. Well, I know you have driven this car. So tell yes. us what it's like to be behind the wheel. Oh, it is amazing. Like I said, I, like I said, we've driven like it being 20 years in the lineup, we have different iterations, but the hear the stories about the Lexus driving signature and where it's mm -hmm. been the first text, excuse me, track driven and tested to get behind the wheel. Number one, it is definitely backs it up from what the, just the looks of the vehicle, there is performance that backs it up. And it's so planted when it, when you're going to the corners and the acceleration from the different types, whether it's the turbo or the V6 engines, the performance is right there. The response is amazing. You have the paddle shifters that go with it. All the feel of the vehicle will definitely accentuates what we've been talking about, about the performance. It is amazing, like I said. And then like for just peace of mind, you have all those safety features we were talking about, like the safety system uh, plus, but in this case, it's the 2.5 updated version, which of course in the past still gives you pre-collision, still gives you dynamic radar cruise control. This year though, it's all speed. So we've upgraded it from all, um, high speed. And of course we still have lane tracing assist, a wonderful road sign assist, but also has what they call left turn assist. So if you're turning into making a left turn, it, it helps you if there's any issues. So there's a lot of features that come with it. May never, none of it have to be utilized. It may, may the 10 airbags that come standard never have to be utilized, but we need to make sure why we have the performance, we have the luxury, we want to make sure safety's at, at the top of mind for all of our consumers thinking about our vehicles for sure. So yes. 
I'd I do recommend to, to get behind yeah. the wheel if you can. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you just sold a couple right there. You know, you should be in sales and getting commission. No, those are my pre previous positions. I was in sales in the company. Yes, for sure. So oh, marketing is more fun. <laughs> I will we cover all you. our bases. I promise. Yes. <laughs> I like that. We got yes. you on that one. Yes. Well, you know, I've always wondered about the, the Lexus signature. You know how you can get into any Lexus, and you're you're used to how a Lexus operates and feels and sounds. I mean, how how long has this been going on? Because I think it's really unique that you know if you're a Lexus lover, you know you know what to expect. Exactly, and, and, and you're exactly right. For over 30 years, like I said, when we started with our LS flagship and our ES, like I said, and as you're familiar, and if not, we have our Lexus Covenant that always told us that we'd make the finest cars in the world, take care of each customer, have the best dealer network, and all of those three things are necessary. But the core of it is we have to make sure we're bringing products to the products to the market. And you're right, the, the amount of time and engineering and all the testing we do to make sure not just the performance of the vehicle, but you're right, the uh, specific materials that we use, where we locate the buttons, the feel of them, make sure that something as simple as the illumination of the instrument panel, the grabbing of door handles. You're right. You know, when you step in it, that we're using the finest materials we can, whether it's from the seats to the wood grains that we use, all of those wonderful stuff. And we're going to make sure that everything's placed in the way that you don't have to go searching for it. Like I said, you don't want to have to owner manuals exist of course and we want them to be used but there are a lot of times you want to just see the buttons you go okay i know what this button does and exactly so for 30 years that's been our dna and it continues on like i said we'll do it new iterations of vehicles as we launch cars suvs but it's always been back to that fundamentals of the covenant about making sure it's the finest vehicles and like it's, as you know laura in the business it's so many jd powers have backed up what we say with our dealers the consumers the guests that like i said they just love our vehicles so every year we're of course trying to bring new ones and the is the new one this year so it's been exciting to see the the uh, feedback we're getting from magazines from yeah. loyalists who are going into the new vehicle and looking at new conquests that like i said who currently in another vehicle goes no that's something i'm really interested in like you said this just the uh tail lamps connecting caught your eye so we're just yeah. thinking that's a great starting point soon consumers will be like hey what is that vehicle you can see plenty of them of course they're in the dealerships now we just started getting them probably around thanksgiving but oh, dealerships man. are starting to build inventory and of course you'll get to see them a lot if they're still there with being hot commodity since they're new if they don't have any red bows on them of course for our <laughs> december to remember they do fit on there we do promise you that i do promise <laughs> it just wouldn't be the same if they didn't exactly <laughs> But you well, did ask, so I, oh God, I was going to say one other thing, yeah, it's just because yeah. oh, we're very proud of also, like they said, besides the introductions of vehicles, is the pricing of the vehicle. For the IS300, mm -hmm. it starts at $39,000. And then for the all-wheel drive um, version of the IS300, it's 41000 What we did this year is that we repositioned to make the F-Sport more uh, appealing because we know how popular it is and we know how popular this 350 engine is, is that for the rear-wheel drive, it's about 42900 and the all-wheel drive is about 44900 so returning customers after lease is over, those comparing prices can look at this and say, hey, I'm really interested in the higher output engine. I love the Esport look of the vehicle. It's more in my budget than before. So we're very proud to offer the uh, new positioning of the IS350 models to be in conjunction with what's in the market right now. So it's a great deal, like I said, as they're seeing it out there. I, I think so. I don't think you guys are making any money off of this. <laughs> I mean, with those prices, those are great. Like I said, we want to make sure we can keep our guests. Like I said, that's 
the best thing there. So most popular, um, like I said, we know with our guests from the past is like I said, our S-Sports, like I said, it's only available with the most powerful engine in the V6. With our consumers, like I said, we're proud uh, when we run the demographics in the market is that for the near luxury segment, the IS350 is the youngest in that segment compared to the competition of our German competitors and others. And more importantly for us, the IS350 is the youngest uh, demographic in the Lexus brand. So like I said, these are usually first time people into luxury. Maybe their Toyota moves up, but, but the first time getting into a luxury vehicle is a Lexus. And we're very proud of the young age that we get for this model. So we have big hopes and dreams for our IS350 model. Like I said, it's our big powerful V6 and being in the F-Sport trim, it just puts all the pieces together for us here. And it's just a little bit wider now. So yes. how, how has that changed um, the driving dynamic? It's enhanced it, like I said. So you're right. There's a couple of inches of the track. It was widened about approximately two inches wider. Like I said, just a slightly little longer, but overall the stance is exactly that. So when you have a little wider track, like I said, the upgrades have been up to 18 inch and 19 inch wheels now based off that same chest track performance and bringing it to the market is exactly that. So like I said, now you just feel that confidence going into the corner. Mm -hmm. You feel that acceleration when you're coming out of the corner, you can do the braking, you can do all the other great performance things that you want to do with the vehicle. Just have that confidence that the vehicle will definitely be there for you for sure. I think you more lean into the corner <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. this car. Yeah, exactly. Do. And that's what, yeah, with our dry mode selector, you can put in the Sport Sport S, the custom uh -huh. modes. It just enhances tightening the steering, tightening the mm -hmm. different transmission points, just giving it that acceleration feel and then having the exhaust sound as well. It's just one of those all around package that we're very proud of here. So like I said, we plan to uh, start selling a lot more. Like I said, they're just arriving now at dealerships, but just get your hands on them as soon as you can. If we see them, like I said. Now I like that you have five different drive modes. And um, I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking you have a person who never changes it. True. And then you have the person who uses it to its full potential. Yep. And so take us through the steps that if you were driving right now, how you could utilize those drive modes. I think, like I said, depending on, I mean, for, for, for those, like I said, for fuel efficiency, we do offer the echo mode, of course, just to keep it, like I said, to be as most fuel efficient as possible for those who are just point A to point B or have a commute that they just, unfortunately, if traffic exists or wherever they may live. But um, the next ones are the normal mode, like you call that most people will just be in that mode most of the time, just from their regular day to day stuff. But though, for those who are like myself, and I have a feeling like you as well, we get into the sport mode, like I said, and we get into where the, the suspension starts to get a little tighter, the steering gets a little more uh, tighter as well to more for better feedback. And then there's a sport S mode as well, where it takes it to the next level where there's different uh, shifting of the transmission, the, the engine is much more responsive. And then of course, there's a custom mode when you want to change to your selection about chassis versus transmission versus responsiveness so yeah it just depends like i said if they're feeling like you know what i know the kirby road if you're in california like moholden drive you want to that, that's a great one if you're just going to feel like you're just going maybe on the road from la to las vegas that's just mostly just one road if you're here in texas it could be a little different with like lack of hills but for our purposes we definitely cover all the bases with the vehicle for sure and, they, and they'll feel like i said the vehicle will tell you in the multi-information display on the on as well as the nav to tell you what mode you're in and you'll just be able to know yes and I like it like I said it's a different color for certain pieces of illumination so it's a fun vehicle like I said a drive mode select for the guest the guest preference of the day 
or the hour. You could go either way. <laughs> well, well, Richard, I don't know who told you I have a lead foot, but I would suggest taking it on the tollway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. How fast do you want to get from here to uh, from here to Left Field? We can do you can, that, that. You can do your own time trials yourself. We don't recommend it. Stay within the speed limits, but we prefer with all that. But it's just one of those vehicles that you just have that, like I said, it's sitting there, even just parked or like at a valet, and you're like, well, that is a great looking vehicle you get behind that wheel, we just explained like from the driving signature, from the responsiveness, just that expression of what you think when you see a sports sedan, as much as the, and we're very happy, we know the market uh, definitely has a lot of love for the SUVs. It's nice that our brand continues to offer these sports sedans like this. And it's very important for not just like told you earlier, the the um, new luxury buyers, it's those that are coming into the brand for the first time, maybe with the family, like I said, but it's like, it's a very diverse vehicle. Like, like I said, very multicultural, lots of different groups enjoy driving our vehicle so it's one of those ones that we've covered it well with its styling and then go from there it is it's a beautiful vehicle well richard is there anything that you're like why hasn't she asked me this yet <laughs> <laughs> no you know i think we've covered it all like i said we've done the pricing i appreciate the time of course for that but we could talk hours about the vehicle <laughs> because it is just such a great vehicle that we've kept in our lineup we've enhanced it for 2021 up inside and out you said the styling caught your attention first that's what mm -hmm. we love and then once you get behind the wheel it just takes it to the new level here and like i said it just wants to explain that hey lexus is definitely serious about the vehicle definitely serious about performance and like i said we have different drivetrains we have different engines we have different colors we've got everything you think <laughs> whatever you're thinking of so of course visit the dealership at your convenience or lexus.com like you said we have this look for the bows on top of those cars and i think you'll be very good there laura <laughs> i love it well thank you for your time today i really yeah. appreciate learning more about the is and and it's just a gorgeous car so congratulations yeah. i know you guys are going to do well with it Yes, so we we look we have good uh, good um, good outcome on this vehicle for sure. Like it's good good future in twenty twenty one as we go. <laughs> well, sure. and I'll have to check back after you start winning the awards for yes. the IS <laughs> and, and get the sales figures going, and you can True. be like Laura, we told you <laughs> exactly. Be happy to share, of course. Exactly. <laughs> well, terrific. Well, Josh, is there anything that uh, you want us to cover? Yeah, Laura, I probably would just reemphasize, I, I know that Richard touched on that, but just, you know, the importance of this vehicle to our lineup. It's it's obviously entry point wise for, you know, a lot of a lot of buyers. And, you know, I think for some manufacturers, they look at that as as, you know, an economic version or, you know, maybe a, a, a potentially cheaper vehicle. Uh, whereas for us, you know, that's really the first opportunity to make make a a connection, mm -hmm. you know, with a consumer and, and having the opportunity to do so in, in, um, in such a, uh, I guess driver's car is the way I would probably describe IS, you know, um, Richard talked a lot about Lexus driving signature. And I think that's, uh, there's some language around that, that you'll start to see a little bit moving forward. We've always had you know, uh, omotenashi is a, is, a, is a Japanese term, I think, that applies really to Lexus in a, in a great way. It's this anticipatory, uh, um, anticipatory look at trying to determine what someone's needs are before they know what they are, right? Uh, that's probably the, the 
maybe the easiest way to, to describe it. So I think you're always trying to make sure that you package and put everything together in a way that anticipates those needs maybe before someone knows they need them, right? And and I think with our vehicles, we've always looked to have that that great driver vehicle connection, but this, this focus with the Lexus driving signature is maybe a, a, an even better way of connecting the driver to the vehicle. And I think what that means is everything from you talk about the, the Richard really touched on a lot of the key changes with this new IS, but it's, it, it's all those little things, you know, a, a little bit larger wheel, a little bit more track width, a little bit more patch that you have at the ground, all those little things connect to, you know, that connection you have at the steering wheel, that connection you have, you know, sitting in the chair. Um, so I think all of those elements are that Lexus driving signature angle. And I, I spent a little bit more time talking about it because in a way, looking at it on paper, it sounds like an abstract, but when you really think about it, it's really just creating an even greater bond between driver and machine. So that's my little, uh, my little add-on I would put in there, just what that, what that concept is trying to explain. No, I, I think that's awesome because, and I especially like what you said at the beginning there, that some other dealer or manufacturers may think of it as, you know, this is our cheapest model, but you guys started off with a great model that just works them up to, you know, the level that they eventually want to be without leaving anything out. Yeah, and I, Lexus is a, a luxury a luxury and performance auto manufacturer. And so, you know, obviously we aren't, we aren't talking about a, a economic baseline vehicle here, but, you know, it, it is certainly um, an opportunity. And I think that that is traditionally how we've, we've always looked at those vehicles. It's an opportunity to create a great experience you know, with customers and they have a great experience with that vehicle, then there's a good chance that they're liable to come back again, right. you know? Yep. Um, right. And, and IS certainly checks the box for a lot of people, but, you know, in terms of a, a front engine rear wheel drive vehicle, and obviously it's available in all wheel drive as well, but, you know, I think front engine rear wheel drive vehicles are really considered driver's cars in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's important for us to have that experience, I think, in this vehicle, you know, that it really is a fun car to drive. We, that's another one, Laura, we need to get you in here soon because <laughs> I, I will say this in all, in all sincerity, I love the LC. Um, I, 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 love, I love the LS. I, you know, there's so many different vehicles that you can love driving in, GX and, and LX as well. But the IS has got to be one of my favorite cars to drive. Oh. It really is. It's just, it's yeah. such a fun experience. It's, it's nimble, it's agile, and it just, it has something that, that a lot of other vehicles don't because of its proportions and its, its overall layout. Wow. So, that is, that is interesting to hear. I mean, and high praise for the IS too. Yeah, yes, exactly, I mean, yeah. I know awesome. there was one other item, I'll just briefly, just uh, I had to touch on, but just know that besides we talk about inside the vehicle, all the fun stuff that we also listen to customers about adding standard Apple CarPlay and standard Android Auto to whether, regardless of if they have a nav or non-navigation. So across the board, because we understand that the bigger picture is like, we want to still stay connected with the available Wi-Fi and all that. But those are definitely features we want to make sure that the multimedia is up to date, like I said, besides the performance and the exterior styling of the vehicle. So we have them covered as well. <laughs> 
Awesome. I, you guys, this is a winner. I, I, I'm so uh, pleased and proud that you allowed me to have this time. And so we can bring this to the um, our audience and our listeners. Perfect. Thank you again to Richard Hollingsworth for joining us. When we return, we'll hear more about their dramatic styling changes for the 2022 Honda Civic and why one of America's best-selling cars got a makeover. We'll talk to Honda Public Relations Western U.S. Region Carl Pooley next on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. Each week, Laura talks with auto manufacturers to keep you in the know about the latest and greatest in the cars, trucks, and SUVs you love to drive. Here's more Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. I'm Laura Reynolds, and you're listening to Driving in Heels. And in this segment, I'm talking to Honda Public Relations Western U.S. Region Carl Pooley about the 2022 Honda Civic prototype and why they made the drastic styling changes. Just to kind of set the stage, obviously the current 10th generation Civic has been a huge success for us. So since uh, the 2016 model year, when we first um showed and and first went on sale with the uh with the 10th generation we've sold over 1.7 million units in the us alone and and those units are retail sales because honda doesn't sell any significant fleet sales so these are individual customers that have done all their research and have ultimately gone into a honda dealer and purchased uh, um, the civic so um that is a significant number and obviously with the success of the 10th generation Civic, moving on to an entirely new 11th generation is obviously a a rather challenging proposition. Um, And I certainly wouldn't want to be one of the designers or engineers, uh, because I'm sure from the top executives, uh, the uh, probably um, the biggest goal is, you know, don't mess it up because, you know, you don't want to lose um, you know, what is arguably the, the, the best uh, compact sedan uh, in the US. And, and obviously we sell it in sedan. Uh, we um, did sell it in coupe, although sales of coupe have kind of dropped off. Uh, but we did bring back the hatchback, which has been incredibly popular. So uh, and, and another big thing about the Civic, it really has become the entry level. I mean, yes, we had the, the fit, which we're discontinuing. Um, so the Civic has been the entry vehicle um, into the Honda brand, along with the HRV, which is our subcompact SUV. So, um, you know, for the for the past four years in a row, it's been America's best-selling uh, car. So that is all types of cars. So subcompact, compact, midsize, full-sized, 
in retail sales. So four years in a row, the Civic has been the best-selling car in America. Um, and perhaps more importantly, as I'd indicated, um, it's the gateway to the Honda brand. And it's been number one um, best retail selling with millennials, uh, with multicultural audiences, as well as first-time buyers. So that's really huge for a manufacturer because if you get first-time buyers and you know, growing demographics like the millennials and multicultural buyers, and if they have a good experience, if they, um, you know, if they enjoy the vehicle, they're proud of the vehicle, they have a good experience with the vehicle, have a good experience with the dealer, then you know, they tend to stay within brand if we have uh, the next type of vehicle that they're interested in. You know, and obviously people sometimes move up, maybe they wanna get into an SUV or they wanna get into a larger vehicle like our Accord, so that's a really, really big thing. So Civic is incredibly important. Now, obviously the market is changing somewhat, a um, little less so for Honda, but certainly in general, the market is, is leaning towards SUVs uh, to a greater extent. For us, it's just a little over 50% now. Um, so still we're selling a significant amount of passenger cars. And, and really we're just getting more market share because um, as other manufacturers discontinue virtually all of their passenger cars, there's still a big market for it. And so we still feel as though the Civic is very, very important. So, you know, kind of setting the stage there, um, coming into the 11th generation, um, as you, you and your audience will be able to see in images, it is a drastic departure from uh, the current styling. And uh, it's curious because members of the automotive media, um, it, it seemed as though the styling was somewhat polarizing for them, either they loved it or they hated it. But interestingly enough, <clears throat> for customers, um, the, the styling was one of the main purchase reasons. You know, they, they did really like the styling. So, you know, automotive uh, uh, critics, um, you know, it's their business. Um, but certainly when it comes to people that are actually purchasing the car, they did like the styling. But we feel as though, especially with the millennials, which is, you know, the, the largest demographic since the baby boomers. And, and now they are uh, the largest demographic of, of people that are purchasing big ticket items like cars. Um, you know, as they mature, we're maturing the Civic. And, and obviously you can't stay at the top if you stand still. So that's why, you know, since 1976, where the first Civic came out, you know, it, it's always set the stage as the, um, as the target of, of what a subcompact can be. It really is kind of set the benchmark. And so, you know, as you look back at all of the generations of Civic, you'll find that, you know, we've pushed the boundaries, you know, and Honda has this wonderful packaging magic in that even with a small vehicle, we tend to have very good interior space and cargo space. Uh, and that's certainly in the case with the Civic. So um, styling wise, uh, and, and as you have, have seen, and, and as your audiences uh, can find, um, the, the 11th generation is, is, is quite a bit more sophisticated. Now, it's interesting that it looks significantly larger. And that is really a kind of a trick of design because yes, um, it is a slight bit longer, but only by about an inch. But the height and the width are exactly the same. The wheelbase is exactly the same. Um, the rear track is just a tiniest little bit wider. But um, one of the big characters of the new generation of Civic, the 11th generation, which would come out 
um, late spring as a 22 model year is these low wide um, stance. So there's a lot of horizontal lines, especially as you look at it in profile, there's this wonderful character line that, that basically connects the front of the headlights all the way to the rear tail lights. And it kind of seems to lower um, the whole look of the, the vehicle, kind of makes it feel more planted. And likewise at the front, the way that the hood seems very, very long and low at the front. And again, there's this kind of um, constant character of, of, of horizontal lines that are clean and clear and sophisticated without a lot of clutter. And that's probably the biggest change in the, the previous generation Civic, you know, had a lot going on. And this is a lot cleaner. And we kind of like to say that the, um, the, the 10th generation Civic is, is playful sporty in its design. Whereas we feel as though this new one is more sophisticated sporty. So it really kind of has the essence of almost a European rear wheel drive sports sedan in, in many different ways. And another thing that Honda has been really good about is having greenhouse. Now, you know, the ability for the driver and the passengers to see outside, and obviously, especially the driver, it's a safety issue. So um, the A pillars have been brought back by about two inches. And the, um, the, the rear of the, the hood has actually been brought down um, by an inch as well. And those A pillars are very narrow uh, and they're able to do that by the use of high strength steel. So it means that you don't have this big barrier um, when, when you're looking, especially as you're turning. Obviously, if you have a big chunky A pillar and you're kind of constantly moving your head, trying to see around, um, and, and so, so the greenhouse is very open and airy. So when you're inside, even though you're inside a compact sedan, it feels, um, it feels airy and open because you don't feel claustrophobic because of this airy greenhouse. And toward the rear, uh, and this is a design function that kind of uh, aligns with the horizontal nature of the, the vehicle, the um, the, the second row doors, the windows have been lowered as well. So that creates a nice horizontal line at the bottom of the windows that matches the other horizontal lines on the side of the vehicle. But it also means that the passengers have a larger greenhouse as well. So they feel as though they're, again, less claustrophobic. They have more kind of airiness around them. So um, not only does that help with the styling itself, but obviously it just helps for the interior of the, the vehicle as well. Um, another thing of note, um, especially at the rear, um, again, with those nice horizontal lines, it has a built-in spoiler that unlike the previous one where it was an, an attached piece, where again, there's a separate element um, that looks a little bit maybe disjointed. This is integrated into the rear and also the tail lights are quite a bit different. And they, again, make the vehicle feel so much lower and look so much lower. But again, as I'd mentioned earlier, it's the same height as the current one. So it, it's amazing trick of, of the eye, and especially when you see it in person, it looks longer and lower and wider, but fundamentally it's the same size as the current generation of Civic. And um, another thing of note, and, and, and those uh, listeners who, who get to see uh, the vehicle, uh, and certainly you can go to uh, Honda's consumer site um, to, uh, to have a look at the images and obviously Google searches will, will bring them up as well. 
Um, it does look a lot more sophisticated, it looks a lot more expensive. But as I'd mentioned earlier in my lead in, it is the entry level vehicle. So pricing, although obviously we're not talking about pricing yet because we're still talking about a prototype, um, the pricing will be aligned with that role as an entry level vehicle. Um, but we will, as we have with the current 10th generation, have different trim levels. Um, as well as different body variants. So the prototype is in a sedan body uh, style. Uh, we will have a hatchback. And for those uh, driving enthusiasts, uh, we will have an SI variant, which will have a manual transmission. And for those who absolutely love the top performance of the Civic Type R, I'm glad to say that we'll also have um, the Civic Type R in the new 11th generation Civic. And um, and that's the uh, sequence that we will um, go on sale with the vehicle, starting with the sedan, then the hatchback, then the Civic will come out, and then ultimately uh, the Civic Type R as well. So um, we really feel as though um, we've got a winner on our hands, as we did with the 10th generation. Obviously, it looks, it looks a lot different, but I feel as though, um, you know, as fashions and styles change, and sometimes, you know, companies like Honda do lead the charge with kind of styling direction and we really feel as though uh with this 11th generation we are kind of leading the charge whereas you know we saw a lot of other manufacturers kind of almost imitating what we did with the 10th generation civic kind of more of that wedge shape um now we're kind of moving on because we feel as though the customers uh, are ready for a change something fresh and new and uh, so yeah I, I really feel as though we, we will have a winner um, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to our launch strategy as uh, you know, our public relations launch strategy, which will um, include obviously showing the, the production version and then obviously um, getting, uh, getting vehicles out um, in, uh, uh, in, in the roadways of America. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, that is so cool. And, you know, you're right in saying it's more sophisticated. It's also looks so much sleeker. You know, that's just awesome. In, in, indeed. And, and again, it's, uh, you know, obviously aerodynamics come into play as well, because not only, you know, styling, I mean, you, you're, you're kind of given, you know, Honda likes to consider that we, we design vehicles from the inside out. So we consider the, 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 the person who's driving. We call it human-centered design. So you start with the driver and you start with the ergonomics of the driver and what makes them most comfortable as they're sitting in the vehicle, what gives them the best... Um, view of the roadway ahead, what gives them the best way of reaching out and, and operating the controls. And then we build a vehicle around them. And obviously the passengers are very important as well. So we start with, you know, the occupant area and then we build a vehicle around it. But then obviously you have to have aerodynamics because, you know, obviously that helps with fuel economy, which is obviously a, a very important thing for, for, for many of us and certainly a big focus with Honda. Um, but then you have to add the styling elements as well and, and the integration of, of aerodynamics and styling elements. And, and again, it's the safety elements. Obviously, you have to have crumple zones and, and you have to kind of root the force of an accident around the cabin to prevent intrusion into the cabin. So, yeah, it's a very challenging thing to, to design and build a car. But I think that the, the, the engineers and the designers who obviously work hand in glove as they produce a new vehicle have, have done a wonderful job uh, with this fresh new look of basically, I think 
one of the uh, the iconic uh, nameplates uh, in the automotive industry. Oh, that is just awesome. If if we had a group of men and a group of women looking at the car right now and test driving the car right now, what do you think each one would like the most out of this car? Well, you know, be, being, um, you know, uh, being a male, of course, I mean, I, I, I can speak to, and, and, you know, with my enthusiasm, I mean, I, I love the styling. I love the look of, you know, as, as you can tell from my accent and, and Laura and you, you and I have spoken before, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from England, so I'm a European and, and just the sense of a kind of a, a sporty European sports sedan. I mean, that's the type of vehicle that, you know, I'm drawn to. And so I love the styling. Uh, I've had a lot of time, a lot of seat time in the in the Civic um, and especially the Type R. Uh, and I got to recently drive one on the track, which is an incredible experience. So for me, as an enthusiast, I look at the styling and the sportiness. But um, and, and I don't think that's necessarily just a, a male thing. I mean, you have many, many female enthusiasts, uh, you know, many people like yourself, who's an automotive enthusiast and is a part of the industry. So, um, you know, I think that there's something for everyone. I mean, you know, I'm a middle-aged man. I'm, I'm not a millennial, but I really dig the styling. I, I love the look of, of the, the, the car and I can't wait to, to get a lot more seat time in the new one as I have with the 10th generation. So I think there's something for everyone. And, I, and, and again, as I'd mentioned, the previous generation was somewhat polarizing. I don't think that's the case here. I think that there's certainly a kind of a, um, you know, classic sounds a bit old, but I think there's certain design elements that are just pleasing for everyone. And, and obviously what we're seeing here is a prototype. And so, um, you know, as you may know, Laura, when Honda does prototypes, they're not wildly different from the production. Um, but one thing I'll note to, to you and, and also to your audience is that, you know, when you look at this prototype, um, we may not see all of the design elements on every single variant of the Civic, but you'll see them on, you know, virtually everything on one or other. So you may see some design elements that will be on the SI. You may see some design elements that will be on the hatchback. So, you know, um, I think it's beautiful, but it's, it is very close in, in some regards to, to production. And, uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, with that, I think that a lot of people look at it and, and you know, they just fall in love with different parts of it, um, you know, and especially the driving. Obviously, we're talking a prototype, so we're not talking about mechanicals and things like that. Um, but uh, one, one thing of note that I kind of neglected to, to, to mention and something that there is one image and it's a um, kind of it's a design sketch it's for the interior of the vehicle. And so I encourage people to, to look for that image because that is very drastically different as well. And again, it continues with that horizontal theme. It's very clean and clear. There's a low um, um, dash that again, assists with the airy greenhouse, but there's a very interesting kind of honeycomb design element that runs um, horizontally across uh, the entire dash area and um, behind it, it kind of hides the, the HVAC vents. And so again, it's very clean and clear and sophisticated. Um, I mean, for me, when I first saw it, um, it reminded me a little bit about the, 
uh, Honda E, which is um, the, the little kind of city um, electric vehicle that's sold in Japan. We're not going to get it here in the US, but people raved about the interior styling of that. And so I think that they also really enjoy the interior styling of, uh, of the Civic as well. Oh, that is awesome. So is there any new tech in the interior? Um, well, again, we're not talking about features and functions, although um, I can say that every element of performance, and that would include obviously dynamic driving performance, but also safety performance and the performance of the technology within the vehicle uh, will be enhanced uh, above and beyond the 10th generation. So, um, you know, this is kind of how we kind of tease into a, a new vehicle, which is obviously a big thing. And, and, you know, we were very glad here in the US to kind of be the lead country to be able to communicate to the public uh, about this new Civic. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's lots of news to come. And, and as I said, it's gonna go on sale late spring. So between now and then, we'll obviously have a lot more communication um, to, to talk about some of the new features and functions and, and the enhanced performance in, in every element, as I've mentioned. Well, you know, when you tease me like that, I'm just going to talk <laughs> <you> again. <laughs> well, um, any new colors that you can tell us about? Um, well, obviously, as you can see the, from the image, uh, there's this, this beautiful uh, orange, very, very stunning um, solar flare orange uh, that, that we have. And, and that is a, um, you know, a prototype color. Um, but, you know, usually, and again, with, with Honda, when we have a prototype, there's, you know, a lot of elements that are very, very close to production. So, you know, we will have some very interesting and um, beautiful colors. And, and it's uh, kind of what, one of the interesting things um, uh, with all the manufacturers, I mean, virtually all of us, and certainly Honda, we, we, we create these beautiful colors and, and especially the designers. I mean, we have these specialists in, 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 in color and texture and they come up with these, I mean, literally, I mean, obviously before COVID, they would travel around the world getting, putting themselves in environments and getting exposed to different colors and, and, and textures and considering how they may work with the vehicle. Um, but unfortunately, when it comes to sales, people mainly buy silver, gray, black, or white. So uh, we will have some very vibrant colors, but you know, probably most of the vehicles you'll see on the road will be those, uh, those four colors, unfortunately. <laughs> That's just awesome. I, I feel like the whole thing is, is like, you're gonna love it. Let's tease more about it. Now we're gonna have to find out when it's finally out there, we can get the real you know, down low on it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's a, a part of the fun of, you know, being an enthusiast and I'm an enthusiast. I was kind of read the buff books and, and listen to, to, to the radio shows and, and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, it whets our appetite, um, appetite, right? I mean, it's just like watching a good, good soap opera, you know, you have those cliffhangers and you want to know more and you can't wait for the next episode. So kind of that's what we do too. It's okay. You can tell us. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to be parking one of those in your driveway? Um, I certainly will. I mean, it's one of my, my roles, obviously, is to communicate with people like you. And hopefully when things start to get better and, and I'm able to see people face to face, you know, I, 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 I love to, to teach. I love to talk about, you know, our products. And so a big part of that is for me to be very, very familiar with them myself. So, 
you know, I do take every opportunity, especially with something new and as exciting as the 11th generation Civic to spend as much time in it as I can um, to really enjoy it. And then, um, you know, that way I have firsthand experience when I, when I talk to people and give them experiences with the vehicle as well. That's not true at all. You just want to park it in your driveway. So everyone else is going, wait a minute, what's that? <laughs> yeah, well, there is, you know, I mean, oftentimes I, I am, you know, the, the first person in the block or even the town or maybe even the state or the country to, to be driving uh, a new vehicle. And so, uh, yeah, certainly it's, um, it, it's nice to drive something that turns heads. And I certainly think that the 11th generation Civic will, uh, will certainly do that. Well, is there anything, Carl, you would like to add? You're like, why hasn't Laura asked me this yet? <laughs> um, well, I think you've been very diligent. Obviously, we, we've, um, you know, as, as we first chatted, uh, we're only talking about prototypes. So there's not a, a great deal of specifications, features and functions and powertrains and things uh, that I can speak to. So it's more of a visual thing. So I would just encourage your, your listeners uh, to, to seek out images. Um, there, there's a lot of information there um, on the internet. Google search is the easiest way, or you could go to Honda's uh, consumer site and, and look at images there. But yeah, I mean, have a look at it. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have auto shows right now where we would normally have it on display for people to be able to look around and see it. Um, but, uh, you know, there are images available and I just can't wait to get it out there in the public so people can... Uh, you know, kick the tires, slam the door, grab the wheel and have a real experience with it. All right. I'm putting you on my calendar in ink so that we can get all the specs later. <laughs> okay. Terrific. <laughs> Carl, thank you so much. This is awesome. I, I so enjoyed talking with you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, I, and I enjoyed talking with you and uh, hopefully your, your listeners in, uh, enjoyed our conversation as well. Thanks to Carl Foley for being on Driving in Heels. Up next, do you know the true cost of owning your vehicle? You may not be factoring in the biggest cost of owning a vehicle. And we'll talk about how drivers can be upside down in the vehicle's value within three to four years of ownership. It's scary. The results are in from AAA's annual Your Driving Costs report. I'll talk to Director of Automotive Engineering and Industry Relations, Greg Brannon, next on Driving in Heels. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. Each week, Laura talks with auto manufacturers to keep you in the know about the latest and greatest in the cars, trucks, and SUVs you love to drive. Here's more Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. 
I'm Laura Reynolds, and you're listening to Driving in Heels. AAA's annual report, Your Driving Costs, is in, and it shows a slight increase in costs overall for 2020. I talked to Director of Automotive Engineering and Industry Relations, Greg Brannon, about the study results. And I so appreciate you joining us today. This is going to be great because um, I love that you have the annual driving cars survey that comes out and talks about the costs. Right. And I'm just curious if there's been any huge difference one way or another because of the pandemic. Well, and, and that's really the uh, the interesting thing about the about the story this year. So, so AAA since uh, 1950 has been doing the annual uh, Your Driving Cost Study. And the, and the purpose really is to try to understand uh, the cost to own and operate a new vehicle um, for that for that period. We really started doing this for our members and and for media, um, you know. But back in the in you know in the day, and we've just kept up with it over the years. And as a result, we've been able to have some pretty interesting trends that we see, and and you're able to really understand the true cost of owning and operating a vehicle. I, m- many of us, you know, whenever you go car shopping, for instance, many people are thinking about, uh, well, what is the payment gonna be for that vehicle? And that's not the cost to own and operate that car. The, the cost is much more complicated than that. So I bet you have pretty much everything in there from oil changes to new tires to insurance. You got it, and and we do, and so the, there's uh, there's many many different components that that go into um, you know owning owning and operating a car, and and everything from uh, depreciation to finance charges to the cost for fuel, and and then of course insurance is a is a big piece, and license registration taxes, and then of course all these other things that you mentioned, maintenance, repair, tires, all those kind of things. And so what we do is uh, we look at a, the cost to own and operate a vehicle that is purchased new and is kept for five years. And we do that over uh, a few different mi- mileage uh, categories, a 10, 15, and 20,000 mile uh, categories so we can kind of understand the cost um, among those different vehicles and then we roll them together and, and report that out as part of our average uh, cost to own and operate a car as, uh, as we release the results each year. So um, yeah, so there's a lot of different aspects and, and you know, uh, we expected a little bit more movement perhaps this year than we saw because of the pandemic because it's changed pretty much everything. Well, I'm wondering then, um, as you were explaining what all you look at in the survey, I mean, obviously, if somebody buys a Mercedes and keeps it for five years, that's going to be way different than somebody who buys a Civic and keeps it for five years. So how do you make up for that? Right. In each of nine categories. And those categories are everything from the ones that that you mentioned, a, a small car, uh, to large cars, to pickup trucks. And in the past few years, we've also started to include electric vehicles into that mix. And so we have uh, a, a pretty good you know, cross-section. So, you know, 45 different cars that, that are included in the study. And that gives us a pretty good look at, at, at uh, understanding kind of the average cost. And so what we do is we look at them by category, but, and then, and then we weight those categories based on the impact of their sales. So if, if uh, small cars make up 10% of the market, I'm just throwing that number out there, 
then it makes up 10% of the result and, and so on until we get to the uh, all nine categories that we pick from. So, so across 45 different cars, we have a pretty good look at what's happening in the auto industry. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't even think about the EVs. Um, that must be a real interesting thing to look at compared to you know, gas and diesel engines. The, the, it is, but you know the interesting because of course they have different maintenance needs. Um, they're not maintenance free. One thing is is uh, is the major driver, regardless of vehicle uh, type. And do you know what that one thing is? My lead foot. Nah, we'd like to think it's that, right? And it's fun to think about fuel costs, you know, maybe being the biggest aspect. But there's one dirty word, and it starts with a D, and it's depreciation. Uh. And that is the major driver of, of operating costs for cars. And, and, and it's one that we don't really think about because what, what, what most people think about is what, they're, what they paid for the car or what the monthly payment is. But what you're not really considering is what the car is actually worth. And that's what depreciation takes into account. That's interesting. So how do you, how do you figure that out? I brought a brand new car. They always say, as soon as you roll off the lot, it just lost two grand. You know, uh, yeah, probably more than that. Oh, really? And it, it's, it, yeah, it's really interesting. They can lose somewhere between 20 and 30% of their value in the first year oh of God. owning a car. And so, so what we look at is the forecast. We, of course, we have to forecast this and there's a lot of different market variables, but over time and with a large enough sample, it sort of works itself out. So we have to forecast what that, what that car is going to be worth at the end of five years with the different mileage categories that we have. So at, at you know, 50,000 miles, um, you know, how, how many, how many, uh, or what's, you know, what that vehicle is going to be worth at the, at the end of that period or 75,000 miles, depending on the, the category. So, um, so the depreciation really looks at what the average cost is. And can you believe that if we look at it across all those 45 vehicles, that it's, $3,721 in, uh, per year that, uh, that people are losing on their vehicles. And that's over the course of five years. So in the beginning, the, that number is a lot higher, in fact, in the first couple of years of ownership. Oh my gosh, that just about makes me sick thinking about it. <laughs> it, really it, it really is. And, and so while we're making payments on the vehicle, most people particularly... Uh, you know, most people are, are now doing finance periods that are longer than five years because the car prices have gone up so much. So, so your payment is lower. However, the depreciation doesn't care about what your payment is. The depreciation continues down at the rate of which the, you know, the market bears for that particular vehicle. So, um, so really people in many cases uh, in, into three and four years of, of payments are upside down in the car. Um, particularly if they've extended out the the loan period to uh, to you know longer than five years. So so as, as the the value of that car comes down, um, that that depreciation starts to accumulate, and that's the true cost of owning that car. You won't notice it until you sell it, but but that that's the, the you know many people don't keep them for twenty years. Uh, uh, and, and so that that's the uh, that's just the cold hard truth is that depreciation is your enemy. That's so true because when you get ready to sell your car, you get out the blue book and you're like, oh yeah, my car's in excellent shape. I should get this for it. And then like, I don't know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you take it to 
straight in and, and the deal gets out the black book and, and which is actually what we use uh, and, and what you'll actually find that the, the value of the car is, uh, is based on. So um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's really an interesting, uh, an interesting scenario. And so there's a lot of other costs too, but, but depreciation is the highest. And, and we found that, uh, that this past year compared to previous for a variety of reasons, the average price of the vehicle um, is up over last year quite a bit, in fact, and particularly among small sedans, large sedans, and electric vehicles. And so the, the average price, there's less, uh, in many cases, there's less incentives that are on the, you know, on the hood of those cars. So the, the cars are going for more, you know, cl closer to the, the MSRP. And so as the, as the cost goes up, so does the, the, the depreciation. Wow. And I mean, and you're seeing a lot of uh, places now where they do seven, you know, seven and eight year loans on those cars. And that's, boy, that's just terrible at this point. It's, it's really not good for the consumer because, because, you know, that you find yourself in that, in that scenario where you are upside down in that car for a very long time. And so you are stuck with making that decision until you get to the point at which the value of that vehicle, you know, is equal to what you owe on it. And, and that could, that could, you know, in the case of a, of a seven year loan, that could be in the sixth year when that happens. And you may not be very happy with what that book tells you in, at six years of ownership, right? And what wow. that car is worth after paying for it all that time. So what's the, what's the tipping point then um, for deciding that, okay, I'm buying this car and I got to keep it for X number of years to make sense or just, you know what, I'm going to lease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's a whole different discussion and something you know, the, the lease versus buy that we did. We don't cover in the study. We focus our numbers on, you know, on the the, the cost to purchase as opposed to lease. But leasing has its own whole other set of uh, uh, complexities. But the, the the truth is, there's no free ride, right? Um, and the best value has always been, and probably will always be, with purchasing a good quality used car, um, and where the, the the you can get a vehicle that's already experienced the, the heavy depreciation in the first couple of years, but but hasn't been uh, you know, seeing a lot of mileage and, and you can probably get years and years of service out of that vehicle. Um, so that, that's, that has been and probably will always be the best value for, for a car buyer. So there is no magic tipping point, but, but yeah, you have, to be, you have to be very concerned with that as you, uh, as you think about the ownership cost of the vehicle. Well, somewhere, and I wish I could quote the source, but I can't remember. I read that if you buy a new car, keep it for 10 years before buying another new car that you'll save like $100,000 over your lifetime because you've you know, gotten through the- Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, is yeah, that- I don't doubt it. It, it. Even more, and of course, we don't want to dissuade people from buying used new cars because if there were no new cars, then there'd be no used cars. So it's all, you know, and, and in fact, that's actually something that, that has- um, uh, happened quite a bit um, during the pandemic is that the used car values are are propped up a little bit um, because some of the uh, shortages that the automakers had. Um, there actually was a time when some popular pickup trucks weren't available because they simply did not have enough of them on the lot. So what happens then? The used values start to start to come up a little bit on those those vehicles. So yeah, there's really kind of an you know an interesting balance between the two um, that uh, that has to be played out and and uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the market uh, takes things over the next few 
I think it's neat because what um, if you buy a new car and again, depreciation, 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 are you still going to get the most because of the way the market is right now? If you try to sell it as a used car and then go buy your next new car, or are you just going to be deeper in the hole? Well, it, it's it, it's really a decision that uh, that the individual will have to have to make, and what what their particular um, you know situation calls for. Uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of interesting things that come into play whenever you know if you're trading in a car. There's some tax benefit to that that you have to consider. Um, and there's, uh, you know, and then, of course, the, the hassle of trying to sell it yourself versus, you know, working through a dealer or somebody to to uh, to just trade the car in. So those those are all things that uh, that, that consumers will have to um, to weigh as they consider what the best option is for them um, on you know, purchasing the new car. And it's uh, you know, the, the, and, and of course, you know, we've talked a lot about depreciation, but it's not the only cost of, of owning a car. There's some, some other things that are, that are pretty important too, that you do have to consider. And those would be. Yeah. So, so, so the other costs that are important to, to think about that, that are often overlooked is the finance costs, right? So the cost that you're paying the, the bank to the, for the privilege of, uh, uh, them loaning the money for that vehicle, and our our estimates are showing that you know even with interest rates nearly one one percentage point lower than they were in our 2019 study, um, that uh, that those costs are still eight, over eight hundred dollars a year that you're paying the the bank and finance car charges. So you know that's more than a car payment uh, every year, right? That's not going to you. That's going to the bank. Yeah. Um, so that's something to consider for sure. And you know, and and that it's probably something that people don't don't think of uh, initially. They just think about that payment. But but the fact is that is that is money. You know, nearly the cost of your insurance, which you know we found insurance is about uh, about twelve hundred dollars a year on average. So so you think about the you know the the monthly cost for your insurance or or however you pay monthly or or annually. Um, and just about that same amount are, are pretty close and, and, and a, a close uh, um, second to insurance costs are the license registration and taxes as well. And so the, that comes in about $850 a year. And, and, and that's, a, and you think, oh, well, you know, my, my license plate doesn't cost that much. Maybe it costs a hundred dollars or um, depending on which state you in, you live in, that may have ad valorem taxes and other things, or maybe some other fees. <clears throat> but of course, the taxes come into play whenever you buy that new car um, or used car. You do pay you do pay sales tax on it. So those sales that sales tax is in many cases written into the cost of the loan, and uh, and so you're you pay for that over whatever that loan period is. So there's a, there's a lot of different things to, to think about whenever our mind really goes to fuel and maintenance and tires and those things, but those end up being a less significant cost of owning the vehicle than, than many of these other things that come to mind. See, that's just amazing because anytime I have to buy tires for my car, it really ticks me off because it's, oh. it's not a fun purchase. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. a lot of money, but yep. no fun. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, the other ones were black and round, and these are also black and round. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, unless you're a real enthusiast like me, tire, tires don't uh, don't bring a lot of joy, um, and they are quite expensive. The good news is that you know tires generally are lasting you know a, a good while now. We're not uh, you know it's not like it was back in the '60s and '70s where tires were replaced every three to five thousand miles. Yeah, you know, um, it's not unheard of for people to get you know 60, 70, 80, even 100,000 miles out of a set of tires these days, um, depending on the type that you get. So, so the, the those if you think about that, and you know, over the course of five years, you're probably going to put one set of tires on it during that period. Okay, they feel better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm wondering with since you included electric vehicles in the study. Um, how does the fact that you might be able to get state incentives, uh, federal incentives for buying an electric vehicle work into that? Yeah, we take that into account in the cost of the, uh, the vehicle then and the depreciation amount. So, um, and, and actually, so uh, if you look at the detail around electric vehicles, uh, many of them uh, will have a, a, we'll show it as a negative number in the registration fee because it actually shows up as a, as a, um, a uh, tax benefit to the owner. So we account for it in that way. Um, but but the, the, the thing to think about with electric vehicles is that, uh, that many of them, the incentives that were in place um, are now expiring because there was a cap on the number of vehicles that they would offer the government incentive to get the electric vehicles on the road. So automakers like Tesla and GM have uh, run out of those incentives and many others are right behind them. So they're not nearly as um, incentivized as they once were. Wow. So how big of a difference though is it comparing an electric vehicle to you know, a combustion engine? Um, and, and so uh, depreciation is, uh, is so if we, well, depreciation remains the biggest factor, I'll explain that. So, uh, so um, <clears throat> we look at uh, electric vehicles, we do not, we do not include uh, luxury vehicles, so it doesn't, so it would not be a Tesla Model S, but we do include uh, a Model 3 and then some of the other, um, you know, popular like the, uh, the Chevy uh, Bolt and uh, Nissan Leaf and some of the other popular electrics. So it's kind of a, a, a mixed group um, of, of vehicles. However, um, you know, if we look at the cost there, it's about 60 uh, cents a mile for to own and operate an electric vehicle um, versus let's say a medium sedan, uh, which would be like your Honda Accords or Chevy Malibu, that kind of thing um, with uh, 58 cents a mile. So it's nearly equivalent to the, the medium sedan and you might ask, okay, with the purchase price being some, you know, pretty similar and you don't have to put gas in it. Uh, and you would think the maintenance would be, would be uh, lower, which it is slightly. Um, what's, what's driving that? And it goes back to that nasty word that starts with a D it's depreciation is, is, is driving that. And unfortunately depreciation in electric vehicles is really, Really bad, and that's because the the people that are considering an electric vehicle, um, not many are considering a used electric vehicle because the technology is is changing so quickly. Because people are really scared about the the um, uh, 
prospect of what it would cost to replace that battery pack on that electric vehicle when as the vehicle ages and let's face it even some of the early nissan leafs that have been out there over a decade at this point are not seeing the kind of mileage that we would put on you know a, a regular internal combustion engine and so people are you know there's a lot of question marks around the the big cost to own an EV as it ends the, the, you know, as it nears the end of its service life. So as a result, the used market for electric vehicles is very, very soft as, and therefore the depreciation is very, very high. Um, and I will tell you that if uh, it, this, the savvy buyer um, will find some of the best values in automotive market in the used EV segment for that reason. So, and many of them carry a, a, a manufacturer warranty that is out to 100,000 miles uh, on, the, on the powertrain of that vehicle, including the battery. So there are some very good deals to be had in the electric, in the used electric vehicle segment for the, for the savvy buyer. Oh, I like that. A tip that we can all use when we're right. looking. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you had to tell, I don't, I don't know if you have kids or your mom or your niece or nephew, you know, what is the car that you would suggest to them or what is the SUV you would suggest to them that seems to be the best? Well, he, he, here's a, here's a funny thing, Laura. Um, he, cars, and, and I know this because I am a, I am a car guy, I bleed motor oil. Um, I, I race them, I love them, I restore them. You know, so uh, here's the thing. Cars are an emotional purchase. The vast majority of the time, cars are an emotional purchase. Um, because if you, set, if you look at the numbers, it's almost always better. If you have a vehicle, it's almost always better to fix that vehicle and maintain it, keep it going you know, like a refrigerator or something, right? If, mm -hmm. and, if, and if it wasn't an emotional purchase, um, much like a refrigerator, we'd probably just keep it until it absolutely dies, right? <laughs> but, but it is, it's an emotional purchase. And if someone decides that they're gonna get a new car, they really like the look of some new styling or something like that, then they're gonna do it. And, and I, so the, the best advice that I could uh, give in the context of, of AAA's driving cost study is before you go into the dealer and get wrapped up in that emotion, make sure you take a moment and understand what the true costs to own a vehicle are. It is not what that payment is. It is much more complicated than that and, and a much, a much more money than, than that payment alone. So um, just do your homework and, and love what you, and love what you drive. Life's too short. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, what else, Greg, I mean, that you need to tell us about this survey? Because I'm, I'm thinking at this point, people are going, well, I need to start looking this up. So is this on the AAA website that we can find your report? It, it is. So you can find it on the, the newsroom.aaa.com. And, and in fact, we have a, um, an interactive guide there. Uh, so you can put in the cost that you track to own your vehicle and create your own driving costs from that and so uh, that can be a, a helpful tool particularly as you're as you're considering a new car um, you'll have to do a little bit of homework on what those depreciation numbers look like and uh, and understand that but but we have that tool there and uh, and hope that uh, that people find that uh, that helpful yeah i i would think if i was in the market right now i'd be wanting to look that up definitely <laughs> <laughs> So I know uh, we've gone over a lot of the report, but is there something where you're like, Laura, you didn't ask me this yet. That's so important. 
No, I think I think we hit on it. Um, you know, the 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 question that we usually get, and we we sometimes will dodge around, um, is that you know is the is the cost up or down from last year? Um, because we, we've been doing this for a long time, and while it's never perfectly an apples to apples uh, comparison um, for a variety of reasons, including it's very difficult to find 45 of the exact same cars year to year, so we end up switching some and making some adjustments. But taking all that into account, costs are up slightly, about $279 uh, more than they were last year, and that's really a mix of of um, costs that are up and a cost of, and costs that have come down, but an average uh, costs are slightly up over last year. So while finance charges, and of course the thing we haven't talked about, fuel costs, right? Fuel costs are at, at all time lows or uh, you know, for, for some of this period, our, our, our period goes through May, so we didn't get like the full 12 month benefit uh, of those uh, low, uh, fuel cost. Um, while while finance charges and fuel were down, every other category was up. So so that's really the net of all that coming together, and that's and that's why it's important to look. And whenever I say my advice, my advice is to understand the cost and look at it holistically before you uh, jump into that next vehicle purchase. That's really interesting. That it's actually just a couple hundred dollars difference from 2019, because. Even when we started talking, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, was 2020, you know, really bad one direction or really good another direction? But it's interesting that's pretty much stayed the same. Thank you again to Greg Brandon for being on Driving in Heels. Every week, I talk directly to the manufacturers to get you the latest information about vehicles you're interested in. No opinions, just straight facts from the automakers themselves. I'm your host, Laura Reynolds, and that wraps up this week's Driving in Heels. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Driving in Heels. There'll be more next week when Laura Reynolds talks directly to the manufacturers about the cars you love and the cars you want to know more about on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.